Hello and welcome to the Shiny New Object podcast. My name is Tom Ollerton and this is a podcast about the future of marketing. Every week I have the pleasure and the privilege of interviewing our industry's leaders and this week is no different. I am here with Sudesh Thevasenabathy, who is Head of Customer Care Transformation at AXA, Hong Kong and Macau. Uh, we met at the Future Conference a couple of days ago, so thanks to those guys for the introduction. Sudesh, for anyone listening to this podcast who doesn't know who you are and what you do, can you give us a quick overview? Right, so thanks Tom for the invite. I mean, it's great to be on your popular podcast, I'm told. I'm, I'm told, really. Um, so <laughs> well, thanks, for, thanks for being such an avid listener. <laughs> So, um, th- thanks for having me. I mean, I'm Sudash, um, born Malaysian, uh, grew up in KL, um, moved to Hong Kong 12 years ago, and uh, I work for AXA Hong Kong and Macau as the uh, head of customer care transformation. Uh, and what do I do? I'm not really sure, <laughs> you know? And uh, <laughs> but I think, uh, in, okay, just maybe just in passion. So I'm, I'm absolutely passionate about the customer and innovation and everything diversity and inclusion. So whatever I do is revolving around these three realms. So hence making uh, our life of our customers better. Fantastic. And there's a lot to dive into there, but we're going to do the getting to know you questions. So what has been that career fuck up that at the time you did a face palm and were like, oh my God, what have I done? That Actually, in retrospect, you're really glad that happened. You know what? I think I've done that a few times in my career already. Uh, every time, there's definitely a big F in my entire career. So I'm a trained engineer. I'm an electronics engineer. Coming from a typical Indian family, there's only three professions that would put food on the plate, which is medicine, law, and engineering. Nothing else feeds you. So I didn't want to do any of those three. And I wanted to do like media or marketing, or even selling peanuts on the roadside, whatever. But ended up doing the easiest thing, which was engineering. Um, left that. Uh, Dad said, nope, you have to be an engineer in a factory. And I worked in a manufacturing plant doing mobile phones. And back then, back in the early 2000s, mobile phones were the in thing. I was working for Ericsson. And I had so many mobile phones in my drawers. I was giving it away for birthday presents. I was loved. Everybody loved me because whenever I go to anybody's home, there you go. It's a new phone for you. Uh, buy your own batteries, but uh, here's a phone. <laughs> and um, I left that career because I think I've had enough of engineering. So that was my first fuck up. Moved on to... Um, and why, why was that a mistake? So I didn't see myself as an engineer. Uh, the, the biggest thing that I was doing is I was a test engineer. I was working in the factory lines. Uh, the most exciting thing that happens in the day is instead of one machine two machine goes down. So that's like, whoa, two machines. So I'll bring my toolbox and my smock and I'll fix it and I'll get back like a hero. And I was doing that every single day for three years. And I just didn't see it going anywhere. Took a big gamble. Uh, moved on to a management trainee program in a tobacco company. Took a massive pay cut. And that was my first eye opener. Uh, where I could get to see different uh, areas in the business, marketing, legal, compliance, HR, operations. You will never get that opportunity to do it elsewhere. Uh, it was a great opportunity. Then I realized that where I could build my career further towards. 
and it was heading towards transformation and change and innovation. So from uh, uh, a tobacco company, I moved on to furniture, R&D, and somehow I ended up in a bank in HSBC back then. They were looking for non-bankers to join the organization. So that's my third change in my career into a bank. Uh, it was a great opportunity. I was in Malaysia for a year and a half in the bank, and I got called to the regional office in Hong Kong to do the same for the regional office. Moved on to group uh, HSBC um, and doing paradigm shifts, uh, big changes in the company. So it is great. So I've been in the change mode throughout. So I'm HSBC, Bank of America. Then the, the other big change was insurance. I had no clue going into insurance, into AXA. But I think that was the biggest learning in my life also, that what you bring along with you is your skills, your passion. Your industry or the work that you do is immaterial. As long as you have the passion, the willing to change, the willingness to learn, you can do whatever. So I think that was a big move. I, uh, but the, the, those don't sound like mistakes. They all sound like really great moves. When you put your resignation letter, you will think that it's a massive mistake. Right. And what advice would you give to someone who is thinking about handing their notice in? What? Because you've done it so many times and you've moved from, from comfort to discomfort over and over again, country to country, mm. vertical to vertical. What, what, is the, what is the one thing that you could say to someone who... Who are about a tip? What do you do? Don't look back. Move on. You know, you, if you have come to that stage of putting down that paper or making that big change in your life, the biggest mistake that you do is looking back. Because when you look back, you create regret. You have that fear of making that mistake, and when you keep thinking about backwards, you will never move forward. So just close that door. Just go ahead. Yeah, and regret's really expensive. Like, Very. You, you don't get anything from it. It's, uh -uh. it's, a, it's a, a complete liability, isn't it? That's a, that's a really great point. So let's stay on advice for a little while. So you, you're in a great position in your career, but how would you advise a student to get into the industry, assuming the student does all the basic stuff really well? But what key tips and tools would you suggest? Your first degree gets you your first job. That's it. After that, your, f your future uh, employers will not care what you studied. They will only look at your experience. So don't be harping on, I am an engineer, I am a lawyer, I am a doctor. I will be that throughout my life and my career. In this day and age, it doesn't work. There are so many people now who have left all their cushy careers and doing startups and small businesses and doing things that they are passionate about. And these are all doctors, lawyers, and engineers. So remember, your first degree gets your first job. That's it. So it's your choice. Then you'll say, oh, uh, then what degree do I choose? Uh, it doesn't matter. Follow what you believe in. Parents these days are a bit more open-minded compared to parents in my time. Because like I said before, my parents zoned me to three different career paths. But parents these days, they're like, oh, I'm happy with my kid. Uh, if he or she wants to do art, let them do art. If they want to do music, let them do music. I think it's a bit too liberal. But, um, but follow your passion, follow your heart, and get that first job. Land that first job. Then it's all in your hands. So what has been the best investment of your time, money, or energy in your career? My family. So 
people always think that families are usually liabilities in your career because uh, when you have a big family, kids and this and that, especially uh, mothers who are returning uh, back to work from having kids and they always feel that, oh, when you still have a family, you are a liability, which means your mind is halfway at home. It's not at work. It's absolutely wrong. Your family are the ones that keeps you stronger in your career. Invest time, effort and money onto your family because they are your biggest pillar and your biggest support. So I've got a lovely two kids. Uh, my wife is super successful on her own. How old are your kids? Uh, one is eight and one is two. And the, 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 the need of having them. So when you go back home, you know that you're going back to something that you are working for. So that will drive your career and drive your passion and growth because you know you're doing it for one part of your family, for your family. So that is what is driving me. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I'm, I'm really, really conflicted on this because I run a business and have a, have a young family. And, and I don't know if you're the same, but part of me fantasizes about, well, if I didn't have a family, then I could work like, you know, 18 hour days, seven days a week. I could do so much more. I could achieve so much more. But I can't. I have a very limited amount of time that I can work in the day. So therefore, I have to get everything done in that time. And I have to say no to a bunch of things. Hmm. Uh, so if I didn't have a family, I'd definitely do more work. But I'm not convinced I would be doing any better. So I, that's really nice to hear you say that, that it's a, it's an, the family's not a liability. It's, the, it's a motivation. And a it's a drive. I mean, because you want your kids to, have, to be better than how you are. You want them to grow better than how you were, when you were growing. You want to be a different father or a different mother than to your own parents. So that alone is a drive. You do whatever it takes to get enough money and move up to your career to give them the best. So, so staying on money, and I don't mean uh, like what's the most money, but what, is the, what have you spent your own money on you, uh, that you use for work? What has been the thing that you've, You've gone out and shelled out your own cash for that you didn't expect. <laughs> no, no, announcing it on, on, on air and my wife is going to be like shivering now. Uh, I would think it is uh, Lego. I'm a big Lego fan, I'm telling you, seriously. You showed me pictures of I your did. Lego cabinet. Yes. I had to smile and nod through that, I've got to be honest. But <laughs> I have a Lego room. That's it, you have a Lego room. In my house. Very impressive. With display cases and... That was like I, the Statue of Liberty, Star Wars. You know, my kids are going to be very rich people one day as I hand them down my heirloom. Right. And those are expensive. Seriously, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, a Lego employee, but I'm telling you, invest in Lego compared to investing in gold because price of Lego actually goes up. You can right. actually sell it on eBay on a double the price, triple the price. So yes, I spent a lot of money on Lego. And the question, how did it help me on my career? So it actually is a, it's a big stress reliever. Uh, when I do go back to Penang where I have our Lego room, um, I'll just sit there for a couple of days, opening up a box and you know, looking at it. And as I'm building and I'm finishing it, it, there's that sense of completion and that anxiety as you're opening up all bags and bags. And the worst part is when one piece is missing and you're looking all over the room and I used to be frantically looking and I'm like pissed off. I'm like, where's that freaking piece? But now I become a bit more creative. When that piece is missing, I do something else. I will hide it in some way. So I realize I become a more calmer person, not as frantic. And when I go back to the office now, my mind is open. I'm very creative in what I do. Um, and it has 
taught me to be regimentedly creative. So following instructions, but being creative at the same time. Regimentally creative, that's brilliant. And it, it, it reminds I just me of- made that of, up anyway, so yeah. It, <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of uh, a, a, a former guest on the podcast, and I can't remember who it was, but their point was that uh, with our, in our work lives, we, we're very rarely in a state of flow because you get messages on WhatsApp, Skype, Slack, someone's tapping you on the shoulder, the phone's going off, you, you, know, the, you get those flashing notifications on tabs, whatever. Like You can never really think for a long period of time. You're not in flow, you're constantly disrupted. So we, we crave experiences that involve flow. So for you, you're in a flow state. You can probably sit there for six or seven hours and, you know, forget to go to the bathroom or eat and that, oh, it's nighttime. And that's why things like running and yoga and <coughs> repetitive tasks that we can, or you know, mixing, DJing, whatever, like uh, we really crave flow because we don't get it during the day. So it's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, and now I see my kids are also tagging along. So as I'm sitting in that room making something, my daughter sits across me making something else. And my daughter, my son is on the floor doing something else, all on Lego. Brilliant. Well, if there's anyone from Lego listening, no, let's move on. <laughs> so, so, I thought your podcast is so popular now. Come on. <laughs> of course. Um, so the final getting to know you question. So what new belief or behavior has had an impact on your career in the last five years or so? I think this is where we will get on to the next part of the topic. I think. I'll run the podcast, yeah. You run the podcast. <laughs> I know. So I'm, okay, it is my belief of giving back to the community. Uh, doing something different that I'm used to, uh, having the belief that everybody should be treated fair and equal. Which is your shiny new object. Which is my shiny new object. Treating everyone fair and equal. So uh, we've talked about this a lot over the last few days, so can you give the listeners some context for that? So, um, okay, so whilst I'm, I'm part of the organization in AXA Hong Kong, um, I'm also part of the Diversity and Inclusion Council, which uh, I'm a founding member of. And why? Um, so I'm Malaysian. I'm brown skin, very nice brown actually. Um, most people think it's a nice color. Uh, I don't get cancer. Skin Shame cancer. about your clothes, yeah. but you know. Yeah, it, know. It's, it's, it looks nice. I mean, uh, <laughs> but that color uh, has made it very. It's, has been a difficult piece of my life actually, where you are somewhat visually discriminated, just by the way you look, and the way you are, and. That can be a shame for many people. Uh, and then growing up in that, in that space, uh, not given equal opportunity or equal feel or equal uh, availability of, uh, ac or access to things like education or even employment or even being treated fair and equal was a challenge. So we have to try a lot harder just to be on par. So and when, you, when you grow in that space, uh, there's only two options. Either you go with the flow or you fall between the cracks and you be the scum of society. So <clears throat> I was lucky enough uh, I didn't become a scum of society. Um, and coming into Hong Kong where uh, things were a lot more fairer, uh, the, it was an open community, people were more accepting. And the last five years actually I realized that um, there's something that I want to give back. I want to be able to show my family and my kids there's a lot more to give in this world rather than just working onto a career. 
So hence, uh, being part of the diversity and inclusion uh, agenda uh, for AXA Hong Kong and now extending to Hong Kong as well. I've been very um, lucky uh, from the work that I was doing that I was uh, given the award as uh, LGBT Ally of the Year this year in Hong Kong. And that was a huge recognition. And I was going against big names, the big banks in Hong Kong, and never knew that I could actually win that uh, award. It was a huge recognition. And uh, the next recognition, which has been, been recently given to me, is now I'm the top 50 global LGBT ally uh, role model. <clears throat> and um, there was like a, a shivering moment, actually. It's like it is a recognition that the work that you are doing uh, in giving back to the community and being and treating everybody fair and equal has been recognized. So can you tell us specifically about that work and what does the council do? How, how are you giving back? What does that look like on a... On a weekly, so the council, uh, interestingly enough, uh, we were not asked to do it. So we formed it ourselves. So amongst uh, a few like-minded individuals in the company, and we decided that we want to give back to the community in different folds. So one was gender, uh, one was uh, differently able. We don't call them disabled. We call them differently able. LGBT, multi generations. So basically, the youngs and the matured people, and origins. So origins are where you come from and who you are, uh, your nationalities. So we had these five pillars, and it was all led by five different individual business leaders who are not from HR. These are business leaders with that passion of wanting to drive those pillars. And we had coffee one day, and we were like, shall we just form a council or a committee of sorts? And we did. Formed it as a band of uh, misfits, uh, put together a paper, presented it to the XCOM in the company, and they were quite happy. And they said, go for it. Just, and what, what was in the paper? Was this like a manifesto? or? A, no, it was like, like a, a terms of reference. This is the thing that we want to do. These are the five pillars. These are the individual pillars, what we want to do in terms of activities and drive and creating awareness within the company, uh, making sure that all our employees are firstly treated fair and equal, and they will have the awareness of treating others fair and equally. So we put that into the manifesto. And, and what was the ask of the business? What were you asking senior management to do with that? Just support that manifesto. And well, in terms of cash or time? Cash, cash or and like, uh, to get an main, office or? mainly cash, actually. So we just needed something to start off with. Uh, and they gave us that cash, uh, like a seed funding of sorts, to let us start off that awareness. So we, then we started doing a lot of awareness campaigns uh, in the company, uh, showing people what are these five pillars. Uh, what each represent, what each means. So every month there was something going on, some kind of lunch and learns or like uh, fireside chats or we invite people from outside the company, uh, other organizations that are leading in the space to come and tell us how they have done what they have done. And then we went on further to ensure that the employee uh, uh, terms and references or the employee TNCs are also reflected in terms of benefits. So employee benefits and... Um, equal opportunities to employees are also reflected into the HR guidelines as well, which is great. So then anybody who's coming into the organization, we've said that it will be treated fair and equal, including all the hiring uh, JDs is clearly mentioned there. So that was next. So then we did a lot of work within the organization the past two, one, two years. Then uh, we wanted to go out, going outside of AXA Hong Kong to showing that we are a DNI focused company. So hence, sponsoring and promoting different activities and events. Uh, for gender, we were supporting the Women's Foundation for quite a bit. For LGBT, I was helping to drive the Pink Dot uh, event in Hong Kong. 
So we were co-sponsors for the last couple of years uh, as a platinum sponsor. Which can you can you describe Pink Dot? I, I didn't know what it was. So, so. Pink Dot uh, actually is quite popular. It started off in Singapore. Uh, it's been uh, 10 or 11 years now in Singapore. Um, it's a very family-based event uh, focusing on creating awareness for inclusion in LGBT. So everybody wears pink, comes on to a day. It's like a carnival day. There's all these uh, corporate companies over there giving out giveaways. There's parties, food, and there's uh, singing, dancing, concerts. It's a whole day event. And it's open to all with a single common voice of being uh, treated fair and equal, so which is nice. So we supported that. Uh, then we went on to doing a few other stuff. And then the next phase was extending it to even to the customers. But isn't there something quite cool that happens with Pink Dot? With the, uh... Oh, yeah, Pink Dot is quite cool. So at the end of the event, um, everybody who's wearing pink will be made to come to the middle of a field. There'll be a drone that will fly up and takes, takes a picture from the top, which looks like a pink circle, hence the Pink Dot. Um, and it's quite cool. And so, so you started off with the, the internal kind of lunch and learns, emails, posters, bringing in outside companies, and then you started uh, getting the business to sponsor the, the external events that kind of matched up against your, your five pillars. So w what's been the most unusual outcome from this? What has surprised you the most? We had a couple of uh, instances, in fact, um, where people in the office who were very afraid to come out, especially in my work stream. So I lead the LGBT work stream in the office. Uh, so people who were afraid to come out of the closet because of fear of repercussion or, or whatever, openly came out. And they came out to me as the first person in the company telling me that uh, because of the work that you have done, I'd like to tell you that I am an LGBT member, uh, and I'm f happy to tell you that I'm, I'm coming out. You know, that, that it makes you feel amazing. You know, it makes you feel that you have done something, um, and you have affected somebody's life so much so that they are able to come out to you, which is great. Um, and uh, I actually had a tear when she told me that. I was like, wow. And that carried on in the organization as well. So people were becoming a bit more open about their uh, themselves, that they can bring themselves, their whole selves to work. Then that was the big impact. Um, and so, so where do you want to take it next within the business? So that, that sounds like a fundamental shift and to bring out the, the, the outside influence in and then going out, out to the wider world and to change people's lives at such a fundamental level is remarkable. But what's next? What is the next big goal? I'm, I just hope that one day that they, the community of people don't need people like me to tell you what to do. You can do it on your own. You wake up in the morning that I'm treating everybody fair and equal. I don't need a Sudesh or a Tom or anybody to tell me what I need to do. That is my vision, my dream, my, my hopes that everybody just wakes up one day. I think our kids are already like that. The young ones are already like that. They don't see color. They don't see gender. They don't see sexuality. They treat everybody fair and sane. It is us, we are the culprits. We are the ones who filter them through to a narrow path that this is the right way of doing so. We parents are to be blamed. So one of the, my advice is all parents who are listening to this podcast, stop filtering your kids. Do not put them to a path 
that just because you followed that path, they do not need to follow that path. Give them an open space, an open canvas. But it's, it's difficult as a parent, um, uh, not to go into too much detail, but the, the gender of our child was mis- misdiagnosed uh, when my partner was pregnant. And we originally thought it was a boy. Mm. And uh, and so you tell people you're having a boy and everyone goes, hey, hey I'm having a boy. Whoa. Yeah. And then it transpires that, that, <laughs> that it was a girl. And I was like, oh, you're having a girl. And already before this person's even born, like p- you, people... Um, and I'm, we're not talking about sexist or mm. anyone with a gender, but there was just that, certainly in the UK, like a reflex to that, hey, lads are great, and mm. oh, girls are great too, but in a, in a very different way. So yeah, it's a, a, a lot of these things, they start at home. So what what have been, been the biggest barriers with this? Like what, uh, how, so you've had a lot of success, fantastic, but what are the... What are the, the, the common frictions that you're having to deal with mostly? You know what, Tom? Not everybody is completely accepting. So, I mean, if there's like 100 people, there'll be 5 or 10% of everybody who just don't believe in what you are saying. Not everybody believes in DNI. The, again, because of the way that they, they grew up and what their parents told them, they've already been filtered into a spot. So these are the people that you, however try hard that you try to change will not change and they will stand up against you. And this uh, applies to even politics or anything. There will be always somebody who are naysayers. And in driving this uh, inclusion agenda, there are many naysayers still. But those naysayers are getting less and less because the majority is growing. And the majority is growing is because of the millennials and the Gen Ys and the Gen Zs and all those peoples. So because they don't have that kind of agenda. So the naysayers are getting less and less. So that has been my biggest um, challenge, actually, even in the company. Uh, We do have people who basically have said, don't put down your beliefs on me because I have a belief of my own. So what we do with that, we just say sorry and we stay away. So we do have people like that. Um, But on a positive note, the world is changing. The world is changing. Uh, I see my own kids. Uh, We have a lot of uh, same-sex couples who are good family friends. And uh, my daughter and my son, who knows that they are same-sex couples and they're married, hang out with them all the time. So they don't see that difference. They see man, man, girl, girl, it's okay. We, we, we go to their house, they come to our house, and the kids understand. So for someone who's working for a brand who's listening to this podcast, who doesn't have the kind of setup, the DNI setup that, that you guys have, what are the easy steps that they could take to try and follow in your footsteps? Uh, easy. First, in your company, I'm very certain you will find a handful of people who are exceptionally passionate about the topic. Find them. The thing about DNI is, it is not a tick box. Just because everybody is doing it, you have to do it. No. You, you need to have the need and the want to do it. So first, find the people in that company. You'll be surprised. You will be seeing many people raising their hands. I want to be part of this um, idea. Find those people first. Put them into a room, number two. Put them into a room, and you need to put some kind of formality. Is it a council or a committee or a work group or some kind of a thing? Set it up. Have a leader. It doesn't have to be HR. Nobody says it has to be part of HR culture talent. No. So set it up. Third, Fund it. Give them a small seeding fund. 
you don't just let people to just go about doing it. It's, it's not going to work. You still need money for some of these events and activities and creating awareness. Like a simple poster printing, you need 10 bucks just to print a poster. So you need to do those kind of things. Do these three and let them thrive. Don't check on them. Don't go to them every month. Give me a KPI. Give me but a, that was going to be my next question, right? Mm. So if you're asking for seed funding, mm. then the, you know, if we're going to use that analogy. What, how do you measure the return? The return is not going to happen immediately. So some of the, the ways you can actually measure is if you do have an uh, annual employee survey, have a DNI question in it, or a couple of questions. And, and what would a good question be? A good question is like um, maybe a DNI topic. Is it, um, do you agree with the events or activities that we are giving to you in supporting DNI? Yes, no. That is one easy one. So that will already give you a gauge. Okay, yes or no, and if no, why? Get yeah. feedback. And next is uh, in the scale of one to ten, uh, how do you feel the impact that all these events are affecting you and your family? Again, this is all simple measures. You can have that on a more regular basis, depending on how you do it. Is it annually or every six months? Then you see the needle move. If it is moving negatively or positively, so that's how it is. We do. And we have been seeing an, a positive uptrend the last three years. That's one. Second is uh, staff and employee attrition. Because uh, employees these days are no longer looking for that career and cash. They're looking for culture and values that you have in your organization. And if your company showcases that values, that I believe in these things, you will see people stay, stick, and you see more talent coming in. That is a good way of measure as well. So these two things. And look also, you can do simple AI tools outside on uh, how people talk about you. Do they refer to your organization as a company to follow? Like Everybody talks about Apple because of their ideas and their tools, or Microsoft or whoever. But anybody talk about your company for the DNI culture values, that you become a case study. So that is where you know that you have made it. Your brand has made it. That's absolutely excellent, uh, and thanks for giving us an insight into how you've how you've done this with real passion and authenticity. But it's it's not just whacking up posters and doing a couple of tweets, and you're going you're going all the way through um, inside and outside, affecting uh, your, your your work culture and those around you. But I really like the way that you measure it. That's really great that you can actually point to it and go, we we've you've made it, as you say, and you and, you, uh, and I think you're doing it. Fantastic stuff, but we're going to have to leave it there, my friend. Um, uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would you like them to do that? Yeah, I, my email will be there. Um, you can give me a personal email. Maybe you can. How do you flash it <laughs> on the podcast? Um, uh, you know well, what? I'm on I'll, LinkedIn. Can, I'll put it in the um, I'll put it in the show notes. Or I'm on or, LinkedIn. Or I'm on LinkedIn. So reach can me you, on LinkedIn. Can you spell your name? So it's Sudesh S U D E S H T for T for Thailand. So Sudesh T. No, I'll be the only no, one AXA, there yeah. and AXA and just connect me there fantastic thank you so much thank you so much Tom it was a pleasure indeed <laughs>